What if the speed of light was 30 miles an hour? What if Earth had two suns? Which cereal mascot would win in a what fight? What if everyone lived underground? What if, it rained what if money grew what on if trees? What if pigs could fly? I don't know if that would actually happen. It's much easier to store a unicycle than to store a horse. Hello everybody and welcome to Absurd Hypotheticals, the show we overthink dumb questions so you don't have to. I'm your host Marcus Lehner. And I'm joined here today by Chris Yee and Ben Storms. Say hi, guys. Hey, I'm Chris. Hey, I'm Ben. Guys, as we as we approach the the colder temperatures, uh, I am more and more thinking about places that are not as cold, beautiful tropical island beaches. So this week's question is going to be about islands, specifically, what if instead of these nasty New England snowy places. Uh, we all lived on islands. What if everyone lived on islands is the question for this week. Which um, is a strange question. <laughs> well, I mean, it's not that strange a question, but there are there are a couple different ways that you can interpret it. So we, we left it uh, open between us how we would interpret exactly what it means to live on islands and how that's going to how that's going to look. Yeah, each um, of us did it like a slightly different way. Yeah. So, Chris, why don't you go ahead and get us started with how you uh, looked at it and what you did? Yeah. So the way that I interpreted this question is that basically uh, there are like less people on the Earth to match the same amount of like the number of islands that there are currently on Earth. Um, so that prompted the question, how many islands are there? So I had to figure that out. Um, and... That prompted the question, what is an island? <laughs> uh, <laughs> which I thought would be pretty clear, but it wasn't. So um, Merriam-Webster's definition of an island is a tract of land surrounded by water and smaller than a continent. So that like that eliminates continents. That's pretty easy. I think most people would say continents are not an island. Um, but that would also include like really, really, really small rock formations which i don't think makes sense to count as an island um doesn't really seem reasonable uh so like what is the minimum size for an island there's actually no standard size um so it's actually it's pretty hard to classify um so i started looking up like lists of smallest islands and one that showed up on a bunch of lists was called just room enough that's the name of the island is just room enough um it's the smallest in, in, inhabited island. Um, it's in New York, and it's three uh, 3,300 square feet, which is smaller than a standard IMAX screen. Um, and I saw a picture of it. It's just like it has a house, it has a tree, it has some shrubs, and then it has like a really small beach on it. Um, and it shows up on like a lot of lists. But it's not actually officially recognized as an island. People just like calling it island. Um, so uh, there are actually certain landmasses that countries like officially recognize as islands. And it doesn't have anything to do with the size. Like there's no consistent size between the countries. It's kind of just what the country decides. Um but the smallest island recognized by the UN, the United Nations, is an island called Simping Island. It's in Indonesia, and it's 1.23 acres big, 
which is about 53,000 uh, square feet. And so that's the smallest one. And then the largest one is Greenland, which is um, the largest officially recognized one. So not counting the continents. And that is about 535 million acres. So that's like the range in size that we can have with our islands. Um, so how many officially recognized islands are there in the world? Uh, it's probably a lot more than you would think. Uh, so just looking at like a small scale example of this, Hawaii, most people just know the major islands. There are actually eight major islands. Um, but then there's also a lot of really uh, uh, smaller islands within Hawaii that are technically Hawaii. And uh, Hawaii rec officially recognizes 137 islands. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> and that there's actually a, there's a wiki uh, article listing all the names of all the islands. They all have names. So If you could just read all the names as fast as you can, that would be great. <laughs> I couldn't even read, like, I'm bad at pronunciation. I can't pronounce the eight major ones. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not going to do that. Um, so that's a smaller scale. But if we're looking at the world, how many are there in the world? Uh I looked at multiple sources. One of the sources was uh, worlddata.info and their methodology. They said that they tried to get their numbers from official government agencies when possible. Um, but some countries only had vague data um, and the numbers are like always changing. So uh, like it's not foolproof, but um, foolproof, not foolproof. <laughs> um but they they had a list of like the top 50 countries with islands um and if you add all those up they said that there are 666,707 islands uh there's more than that because they're that's only a really that's a really 50. precise number for how much they're hedging yeah i mean it was just a like on a country by country basis so that's that's how they did it um so and they were like leaving out all the the ones that just had like one island. Um, oh yeah, no, no, like like I, just like if you're gonna if you're gonna like be like, well, it's the data's really bad. No one agrees. <laughs> you say six hundred sixty-six thousand islands. You don't say sixty-six hundred thousand seven hundred and seven exactly islands. You, you give yourself a, a nice round number. I don't think with. they actually. I added those up because they had a list of each of the countries, and I put it in a spreadsheet and added it up myself. They didn't actually say that, so. Uh, oh, they you, did. You, you, you made. You have a very big spreadsheet then. <laughs> now there's only 50 countries that they did. Um, by country. Okay. Yeah, by I, country. I thought you had a 666,000 line spreadsheet with island names nope. on them. Nope, that would have been a waste <laughs> of time. Um, but yeah, this this list isn't necessarily that reliable. They didn't have a date on it, so I don't know how recent that data is. Um, so I looked at another one, another source. And this source, I suspect, is less reputable. <laughs> it's uh, azanimals.com. Um, oh, an old standby of the podcast. <laughs> yeah. It actually is. I, re I recognize a lot. that URL. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they say that there are 900,000 uh, islands in the world. And they don't say what their methodology is. But the article was published in April of 2022. So it's a recent article. At least. Because the really the, the number of islands changes so drastically over time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean sometimes countries like 
I think I read that one, I forget what country it was, but just like one year they decided that they had more islands, like a hundred more islands. <laughs> so it does change. Um, yeah. And I guess, I guess rising sea levels would reduce the number of islands, if anything. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so that's the number of islands. I'm, uh, like, no matter how big these islands are, my interpretation is that only one person can live on an island. Um, so it doesn't really matter how big it is. But uh, I, I'm only going with the 666,000 one. Um, actually, the number doesn't really matter for the rest of my answer. But that was... I just wanted to cover that because it's interesting. Um, but if only one person is living on an island, that means that... Um, they're going to be pretty isolated because, like, islands aren't necessarily close to each other. Um, there might be, like, clusters here and there, but overall they're pretty far away. Uh, so, like, how, well, how, like, how difficult is it for someone to survive alone on an island um, without, like, contact with anyone else? So I started looking into self-sufficient farms uh, to see, like, how much land you need to, to do that. Um, and according to growcycle.com, uh, um, raising livestock requires a lot of land. So you'll need as much as like 50 acres because one cow requires four acres of land per month, apparently, um, which is kind of a lot. But if you only do vegetables, then you could get, and if you're like really, really efficient about it, then you can get away with as little as a quarter of an acre, um, which wait four wait four acres of, of of land per month. Like, does does the cow use it up? <laughs> well, <laughs> like, oh man, kind of these half, acres the are no grazes. good no more. <laughs> the cow grazes, and then you have to like grow crops for the cow. Yeah, you need time for the grass to replenish in some way, or whatever they're eating to replenish in some way. Yeah. At least that was my understanding of it. I also I don't know how how much I can trust GrowCycle.com, but they seem to know what they're talking about. No, it's not. It's not some rag like AZ Animals. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um. So yeah, if we only need a quarter of an acre to do our vegetable garden thing, uh, to be self sufficient, um, pretty much all of our islands are big enough, which is which is good. Um, but they're not all necessarily in the perfect climate for that. So I, I started to look into climate for self-sufficient farms. Um, you need something that's not too hot and dry, and you obviously can't be too cold either. You need like a good like Goldilocks zone. Um, somewhere, it's like a transition between temperate climates and Mediterranean climates is what they were saying. Um, so there's like a strip of... of uh, like on the globe that works. Um, but then there's also a thing called permaculture, which is basically you live off of the natural agriculture. So like if you're in a forest, you just eat berries and stuff that that would be permaculture. And there's like a whole methodology so that you don't like ruin the ecosystem. Um, but the, the uh, best climate for that for permaculture is like a tropical climate which is like near the equator, um, which is conveniently where a lot of the islands that we know are, there are a lot of tropical islands. Um, so that's good. 
So this thing is possible. Living on an island could be possible, but again, not all of the islands are going to be in one of these climates. So if you're not, what do you do? Um, you're going to need to trade with other islands probably. So um, you're not allowed to sleep at the island because then that means you're like living there. Um, I guess that that was my definition of living there. Um, you they, everywhere I fall asleep, I count it as living. Yeah, like exactly. <laughs> Nobody invites me over anymore for a sleepover. (laughs) Stop living here. Um, But you can visit. So you can visit to like trade stuff. Um, And that's going to be difficult because if you're far away, you're going to need a boat. But the boat takes a long time to get there. And if you're sleeping on the boat, are you living on the island? Are you living on the boat? I don't know. You're going to have an existential crisis. I know. So you need you need to get there fast. I'm going to say a boat is not fast enough, which means you're going to need a personal airplane. Um, every Everyone on an island is going to need a plane, a personal airplane, which brought me to the question, how much land do you need for an airport? Um, so you basically just need to accommodate the runway. Um, and different planes require different lengths for their takeoff. Um, I looked up a Cessna Citation jet, which is a 10-passenger jet. Um, It can fly over 2,000 miles without stopping, which is like the distance from Honolulu to San Francisco almost. Not quite, but it's almost. So that's going from like an island to another land. Um, It's also the uh, like around the distance from Boston to Albuquerque, if if you can picture that better. Um, But that type of plane you need uh 3400 feet to take off um and not all of our islands will have that some of them will but not all of them but then i started to think that doesn't really matter because seaplanes exist we can just use seaplanes i was gonna mention them if you, if you didn't <laughs> yeah <laughs> i was like man it's gonna be really it's gonna be really shady to just mention seaplanes after chris <laughs> goes on about runway lengths for yeah. like two hours <laughs> so um I was wondering, like, how how far could seaplanes fly? I looked up uh, a specific seaplane, the Cessna 208, 208 Caravan. Um, and that can carry four passengers up to 1,000 miles without stopping, which is about the distance from Puerto Rico to Miami. So you're making it from an island to mainland um, or from Boston to Orlando. So... Um, and you don't necessarily need to do the flight in one go. We can have like pit like stops in the ocean for for planes and stuff. Um, I don't know if you can, but not for sleeping because then you live there. Yeah, then you live there. <laughs> so you'll need to commute. You don't, don't want to live. You don't want to live on your plane. Once once you sleep in your plane, you give up your island rights. I mean, whoever works on that that gas stop for the for the planes is not allowed to sleep there. They got to commute. Or actually, one person can sleep there. <laughs> But if they leave and someone else falls asleep at the gas station, they now own the gas station. <laughs> yeah. These are my rules. <laughs> aggressive, aggressive sleeping <laughs> land rights. Um, so we were saying that you can't live on the continents because they're not islands, but you can work on the continents technically because uh, you're not living there. Um, so I basically just said that like all the continents are like office space and they will be like the marketplace where people trade and stuff. Um, 
and to like to get to work you'll just take your plane your seaplane and fly it to your nearest continent you'll work there for the day it'll probably be like a couple hours commute but you got to deal with it because what else are you going to do um and then you'll just go home and you'll you'll sleep on your island and unless you uh you are self-sufficient then you don't have to deal with that then you can just grow your vegetables so that is my answer um marcus how did you interpret this question yeah so the way i looked at it was basically taking everyone that is alive now and distributing them across what we have for us so i was saying one person per island and then uh just pretending we have that many people uh seeing can we get everyone who lives onto um our existing islands basically depopulate the continents and what would that what would that world look like um and so i started looking at um where like where where are the centers of power going to be where's where are we going to have most of our people um so of course i went the same way looking at what what are our biggest islands uh and yeah it's greenland and kind of by a long shot greenland is 836,000 square miles um, the next biggest island is New Guinea at 317, so already less than half that size. Um, and there are four others that are above 100k square miles, but basically you have Greenland at 800, New Guinea at 300, and then like four more above 100, and then everything is less than 100,000 square miles per island. Um, so if we're going to have this big key like island empire, uh, we're going to be looking at Greenland. Except there's a bit of a problem. Uh, as big as Greenland is... Uh, unlike its name suggests, it's covered in ice. Uh, 80% of it, in fact, is under a permanent ice sheet and is completely uninhabitable. So the people actually living in Greenland are basically exclusively on the coastlines where it's a bit more temperate. So, in absurd hypothetical fashion, can we do something about that ice sheet? Um, how big is it? Uh... The ice sheet's average thickness is 1,600 meters, or almost exactly one mile thick, which is huge. Uh, so what will it take to melt that ice to give ourselves, uh, basically get that, reclaim that land? Um, so it takes 334 joules of energy to melt a, a gram of ice. Uh, a gram of ice is a little bit more than a cubic centimeter of ice when, when you convert over to volume. Um, so we have a mile thick ice sheet, uh, covering 600,000 square miles. So if you go through that quick unit conversion of 334 joules, um, per gram and throw that out up to the volume of everything, um, we just need a mere, uh, 911 zeta joules, uh, of energy to melt the ice or a nine followed by two ones and then 21 zeros. <laughs> Zeta. Zeta sounds cool. Zeta does sound cool. And uh, <laughs> with a number that big, I'm going to just ignore, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm not the flamethrower. I'm, I'm jumping, like, just straight to nuclear options because that, that's the numbers we're talking about. Uh, so going right up to the top, the largest nuke ever tested, the, the Tsar Bomba, um, the, 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 kind of like the last big one from Russia. Uh, when that explodes... Uh, it releases 210 petajoules of energy. Uh, that's a 2 and a 1 and then 14 zeros. Uh, comparing that to the 21 zeros uh, that we kind of need. 
In other words, we would need 4,337,473 nuclear bombs uh, to melt Greenland's ice, um, which has the benefit of effectively denuclearizing the whole world, um, and then some, um, but the not-so-great benefit of probably causing enough nuclear winter to refreeze the area again, <laughs> and, oh yeah, the radiation <laughs> might may be a problem. Um, also, fun fact, even if we manage to magically melt all the ice in Greenland or kind of approach it with some longer-term options, like, say, global warming, um, there's kind of an interesting issue with Greenland's uh, geography. A large portion of Greenland's, like, central area, and I'm talking, like, maybe, like, 30% of it, is actually below sea level. Greenland is effectively a big bowl full of ice. Um, so even if we get rid of the ice... We don't even get our full 800,000 uh, square miles of area. It's going to be, like, a good bit less than that. Like, like, you know, maybe we have 500, which, of course, is still bigger than all our other islands. But it's kind of, if we're going to put that much work in, it's a real shame not to get it all there. Um, it may actually self-rectify. Part of the reason it is below sea level is the weight of the ice on top of it actually compresses the ground downwards. So there's a chance that the soil would actually kind of, like, spring back up. Um, but if you look at a map of like what Greenland would look like without an ice sheet, it's just got like a big, big old lake in the middle, which is pretty cool. Um, but kind of irrelevant because it's clearly not worth it to try and melt this ice because we will end the world trying to do it. So what if we didn't get rid of the ice? Here's a fun fact. 10 inches of ice. Like if you have a, if you have a frozen lake with that has ice frozen 10 inches thick, that can support a seven to eight ton truck on it. That is pretty dang strong. That is a fun fact. Um, I had fun. I also had fun. Yeah, great. <laughs> I'm assuming hey, it was factual. <laughs> then we're done here. I've, I've, I've fulfilled my I've fulfilled my brief of, of making this podcast fun. Uh, so anyway, Ben, no. And factual. Uh, so what I want to do is let's take this mile thick ice sheet as a feature not a bug let's carve ice caves through this and put like an elaborate cave system to house people in greenland let's let's increase the amount of surface area we have by going into the ice so um given that we only need tens of ice to actually make a floor that will support things um we're gonna need some varying ceiling heights and you're gonna need to leave some space for you know, utilities and whatnot. So I, I gave it a pretty generous 15-foot uh, height per different floor. So if we have 15-foot thick floors um, and kind of just stack them up through the mile thickness um, and we have our 600,000 square miles of ice, we get basically a livable ice cavern area of 211 million square miles. Uh, to put a point of comparison on if it's going to be enough for us, the current land area of Earth is 196 million square miles. So, basically, we, if we have 50 foot thick floors, we end up getting like 300 and, where's my number here? 352 floors. So, basically, if we stack, three, if we stack Greenland 352 times on top of itself, we have about the same land area that we have already sucks for the people on the bottom floor 
Well, they're gonna live there. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna they live this, there. Like, weird, uh, like, we're gonna we're gonna put some elevators thing. in or something. <laughs> um, so we could actually house the whole population of the world in ice caverns on Greenland. Um, we do have some concerns, of course. Uh, for example, like, can we actually survive? Um, so Chris, you mentioned kind of food. Um, food food is definitely going to be tricky. Um, we do have the technology. Um, we've talked about vertical farming in controlled areas. So basically they, they have a lot of, uh, methods now where you'll have like a shipping container with UV lights, uh, effectively, um, and basically in a completely in like interior environment isolated, you can produce and grow crops pretty effectively. Um, so we would be able to have enough area for vertical farming water. Water is easy. We're surrounded by it. We just gotta we just gotta melt a little bit of it, and then we we can drink that water. Um, I looked a little bit into light because you know, yeah, you don't want to be in the three hundred fifty second floor. I was trying to see how deep would light, like the daylight, penetrate into your ice caverns. Um, and the answer is not very far. Um, at about fourteen inches of ice depth. You only 33% of light will penetrate. So basically, uh, you're losing a third of your light with only 14 inches of ice. So, so even, really, the even first people on the first floor. <laughs> yeah, if, if it snowed on Greenland, which is a possibility, uh, yeah, even the people on the first floor may not have you know that much real daylight. Um, so yeah, we're not going to really get any natural light in there. It'll be a little depressing. Um, so it's it's doable. We can, we can manage without, you know, without having natural light. Um, we can manage the food. We can manage the water. But I was also wondering, well, once we start occupying it, will we warm it up too much just with the, like, body heat of, you know, the humans in it? There's going to be 7.8 billion people in here. What's that going to look like? Um, so a human emits about... 100 watts of energy um, just going day to day. Um, so per day, a human's going to lose 8.6 million joules just as heat to the atmosphere, um, which is about equivalent of 2,000 calories that you eat during the day. So um, the calories that you spend and burn, um, generally, you know, that, that will go out into the environment. So if we have our 7.8 billion humans... We're releasing 6.78 times 10 to the 16 joules per day worth of body heat into Greenland, which is roughly the third of the amount of one of those tar bomba nuclear bombs, which is kind of a cool comparison. If, if we put everyone together, we generate enough heat to be a third of a very big nuclear bomb, which actually is a lot more energy than a lot of nuclear bombs. So, you know, power, power in numbers, I guess. <laughs> Um, so I have, I have that math after that point, um, it's going to be, it gets a bit more complicated. Um, it's a cool comparison. It's not immediately problematic because, you know, if we need 4 million bombs, we'll need 12 million days of human energy to melt all the ice. Of course, there's, you don't need to melt all the ice to start causing problems. And there might be local effects on the ice that are of concern besides, you know, melting it all evenly. 
Um, so calculating how long we'd have before we melted our own ice cavern um, got a bit too complicated, um, especially because it's like, you know, you have to worry about insulation, heat giving off. It is pretty well insulated, so I think it would eventually be a problem. Um, but really, um, the numbers, we would be fine for definitely for a while. Um, we could do some cool stuff, like we could make some chimneys to minimize it. But kind of the, the end point of my answer here is you could do it. You could take everybody, just get some ice carving tools, take out some tunnels, put up, put in some fancy, uh, put in some fancy farm things. And you can just house everybody in Greenland somewhat happily <laughs> <laughs> with emphasis on the somewhat. You could use other islands too. Yeah, and you have if you get if you don't like it there, you can, you can move on to other islands. But why would you? When Greenland's got so much going for it. Because <laughs> I don't want to live in an ice cavern. <laughs> it could be cool. It could be well, cool. It will be cool. It's cool. all ice. Hey, yeah, we got there. All right, the the, the low hanging fruit has been grabbed. <laughs> yeah. So why don't why don't you take that low hanging fruit fruit and uh, take it over to your answer, Ben? Run with it. All right. So. I uh, I went in a slightly different direction, by which I will mean I answered this in the absolute dumbest way possible, because I'm not going to say it was the first way I thought of this when I heard the question, but it was something that came to my mind in a kind of joking way very early, which was, what if everyone lived on their own island? As in, there was one island per person on the planet. Not the way um, that I did it. No, not the way not the way that Chris did it. We're going to do some geographical restructuring here. Um, and we're going to take all the land mass on the planet and divide it equally into enough for one island for every person on the planet. Communism. Yay. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Share the wealth. Share the land. Um, so the first thing to figure out is how much does each person actually get? You know, how much are we working with here? Um, what I want to do was take specifically the habitable land on Earth. And then divide that equally. Um, how many people are there? Uh, well, fun fact, we actually, as of very recently, when this is coming out, are crossing the 8 billion line, according to the UN. Um, that's they. It's estimated to happen on or around November 15th, 2022. So, uh, congrats. Ooh, we should have a party. Us? Yeah, I know, right? Like, I don't know how you <laughs> celebrate that. <laughs> Or if you celebrate you, you, that, you just you you like you know make you do a potluck and then you invite seven point nine 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 billion of your closest friends. Yeah, <laughs> we answer eight billion questions. You get you, no. <laughs> <laughs> you, you get a cake and put eight billion candles on it. <laughs> um, happy birthday, humanity. Um, anyway, that's a nice round number. So we're going to use that. That's just, that's fun. Um, then we need to know how much um, habitable land there is. And this is where I hit a number that I'm really not happy about using for a reason I'm going to get into, but I don't have a great alternative. Um, so I looked into how, like, what percentage of the planet's land is habitable. And I found the same number in multiple places, but always unsourced and always in basically the same wording in a way that looks like one of these was the first one that got it somewhere and everyone else just copied it from them. Um, which basically gave it as... The surface area of Earth is about 57.3 million square miles, which checks out with other sources I looked at. And then it says that around 33% is desert and around 24% is mountainous. 
and that's all uninhabitable, which leaves us with about 24.6 million square miles of habitable land. I hate this because, one, I know there are people who live in the mountains and in desert regions. <laughs> like, that is a fact. There's no sourcing. And I tried to verify those percentages and found some similar numbers, but not those. But those are also pretty indistinct terms, so who knows. Um, it's But it's the best thing we have in terms of an actual answer there, so we're just going to go with it. So this is, if this we say... Yeah, I, I, I literally would believe any number between, like, 10 and, like, 98%. <laughs> I know. And, and that's the problem, too. It's like, I have absolutely no gut check on that. <laughs> If you told me only 10% of the world's habitable and like 90% like, yeah, that sounds of it, right. I don't know. Use. Like, sure. Like, yeah, no, I, I can, yeah, it's just, I guess it's swampy or mountainy or deserty and just sucks for actually making cities in and we just concentrate our population. But also, you said we could live literally everywhere except Antarctica. I'd be like, yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, anyway, we have 8 million people and a little under 25 million square miles of livable land. Um, and that works out to. <laughs> three thousandths of a square mile per person which i saw and thought that is not that much it turns out the square miles are really big <laughs> um three thousandths of a square mile is about eighty six thousand square feet um some frames of reference that's the exact same size as the palace of Ho uh, hollywood house which is the official residence of the residence of the british monarch in scotland not that useful um more useful it's about 85 percent of the size of a city block in manhattan or most useful for me about the size of 1.5 American football fields, um, which isn't a huge amount of space, but it's a pretty good amount of space, all things considered. Um, and then everyone can have a football field, and everyone can rake in that sweet football field money. Exactly. It's perfect. Um, getting down to the brass tacks of actual like life in this situation, um, one of the first things I want to figure out was just what level of technology are we going to have access to? And the answer, I think, is not much. Um, unsurprisingly, you can't actually get that many people together at one place at one time just because your population is so distributed. Um, assuming you have a pretty, you know, regular grid of islands, you have eight direct neighbors and then another, you know, 16 around in the next level out and sort of so on. And to actually gather enough people to have any kind of industry or anything is going to take more time and work than really makes it effective so i was a little sad about this because i want to figure out how like power would work um but the answer is probably just you know i don't know wind or something because everyone's on islands so whatever we're gonna say we're relatively primitive here um in terms of using the space um housing does not take up much of that uh 86 000 square feet a standard you know, two uh, two room house is something like twelve hundred ish square feet. Not making that much of a dent. Um, growing food, I actually got different numbers than you did, Chris. You had roughly a quarter of an acre per person, right? You said. Yeah. So that's about ten thousand square feet. I saw both two hundred square feet, which seems hilariously low, um, <laughs> and around four thousand square feet. Um. Regardless, any of those three numbers are once again going to be fine in terms of being able to support this one person on an island. Um, for non-vegetable uh, food stuff, you can obviously fish. I want to figure out if you'd be able to hunt and try to figure out how much animal life you'd expect to have on an island that small. Um, one of the other size comparisons for 
this size of an island was another island called Seal Island, which is an 87,000 square foot island near Cape Town, South Africa. You might be surprised to find that Seal Island does, in fact, have some seals on it. Um, I want you guys to guess something. So remembering that 87,000 square feet is roughly 1.5 football fields. How many seals would you think live on Seal Island? Um, <laughs> oh, man, I want to say uh, it's really I hate when you ask questions because yeah, they're really big or really be, small. I'm going to be way off. <laughs> Go ahead and guess. You can take that into account. Please do. Uh, I'm going to say 1,200, 1,200 seals, 1,200 seals. I'm going to say 400, 400 seals. Who do you think is closer? Me. It's me. It is Marcus. <laughs> How oh. far off do you think Marcus is? By a lot. <laughs> it is more than an order of magnitude off. It is home to roughly 64,000 Cape fur seals. Jesus. That's, that's, <laughs> Which that's, is... Wait. I know. Well, like, <laughs> I know. It doesn't make any sense to me either, but I checked that in so many places. It's like, it's like 0.6 seals per square foot. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. So that one's kind of cheating because seals, you know, they... they Stack. <laughs> no, I mean, probably, <laughs> I don't know, but like they, they swim. They can they swim, right? They have to like you know go back there to rest and sleep or whatever. They don't have to live there and hunt there and everything constantly. So it's kind of a little bit of an unfair question. But and it's do still they live there according to my rules. No, they, no, they, they'll 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 just literally pile together. Like, I mean, yes, not on top they will, of each other. But but yeah, like the pictures of the island are hilarious. There's a lot of seals there. <laughs> Like a lot of seals. Anyway, <laughs> um, I'll send a picture of the seals eventually, but I don't actually have one on hand right now. But I saw one. There's a lot of seals. Um, there are also, of course, many birds and things that live there as well. So the answer is yes, there will be some kind of animal life on your islands. Islands that small can certainly support animals. I'm not saying they're all going to have 64,000 seals. That would be ridiculous. But... Probability says one will, so I guess lucky you. I don't know. Is that a good thing? I guess. I guess. <laughs> um, there is one more elephant in the room that I kind of want to address, which is kind of where the system structure break, break down a little bit. An elephant seal in the room? They, uh, no, no, they were cape seals. Keep up, Marcus. Um, <laughs> uh, what happens when people are born? Uh, the next line of my notes is just uh, <laughs> because I had to think about this one for a while because this does cause some problems. Um, I mean, my immediate mental image based on your way you said your hypothetical is you throw it on an island and you just hawk it into <laughs> yeah. the ocean. I, no, I mean, and yes, that is one way to take it, which is going to eventually solve our humanity problem pretty, uh, pretty straightforwardly. Um, I will say that even if we break our rules a little bit, because like by a strict reading of the rules, that's what you have to do is just chuck them on an island, leave them there. And they're probably going to die being devoured by seals. Um, If we break the rules a little bit and say that they can, you know, stay with their mother until they're at a certain age, like where they can support themselves to an extent. um, There's clearly enough room on one island to support two people. Um, So that would work. We do actually have a bigger problem as well in terms of uh, the survival of the species, which is that your dating pool is pretty small. Right? Because as I mentioned, you have eight direct neighbors, another 16 or two islands away, and then, you know, it sort of scales up that same way going out further. Um, roughly half of those islands will have a person of the opposite gender from you. Um, and you just need to get lucky enough that one of those is 
of the opposite gender and roughly your age, basically. Uh, and roughly not terrible. And roughly not a terrible person, yeah. And that you can, you know, canoe to each other enough to get things going. Um, so I think the real answer is that, assuming we stick to this ridiculous rule, humanity is going to eventually die off because we're not going to be able to repopulate fast enough. And we're all living on our own on islands, which feels unsustainable. So... Also, what if what if the what if the seals pick your island to also still be Seal Island? <laughs> yeah, know? it's not great. Um, I mean, how are seals friendly? I don't think they are. I'm pretty sure they're pretty territorial. Yeah, I don't I know. Have no idea. Um, if you lie on the ground like a seal, will a seal think you're a seal? Could you just like? Is that a bonus? Is that a benefit? Do you want to blend in? I don't think... I, I imagine... I mean, it's better than being it, driven away by a herd of angry seals, right? Like, herd? What's the what's the collective noun for seals? Murder. Murder of seals. Uh, I'm, I'm Googling this now. It's an island of seals. Is it seriously an island of seals? <laughs> no, it's herd. Oh my god, or it can also be a plump. I love it. A plump of seals? <laughs> a plump of seals. Ah, it's so good. Yeah, I don't want to get uh, forced off my island by a plump of seals. I would rather frolic amongst them as a seal, I guess. <laughs> so that's my answer, is I want to be a seal, apparently. <laughs> is, that, is, that, is that what's written in your notes? <laughs> no, no, but it's what's written in my heart. <laughs> oh, man. All right, let's, let's hop over to our would-you-rather question. Marcus. Yes. Are you ready for a would you rather? I am. All right. It is almost Thanksgiving, so we're going to go with a Thanksgiving theme would you rather. Would you rather have to catch a live turkey using only your hands or empty the insides of the world's heaviest pumpkin, which was 2,702 pounds? Now, when you say only my hands, I imagine I... Like, it's like, you can't use tools, not like, I can't use my legs to chase it. Yes, you can, you are allowed to use your legs in the process, but you don't have, like, not a large, to use your arms, only you don't your have, hands. like, a turkey net or something, right? Like, just, like, dragging myself along the ground, like, yeah. Target, get back here. No, yes, you can use your, your body and its various powers, but nothing beyond that. But you're not allowed to catch or... it with your feet. You're not allowed to stomp it, I guess. I or empty the biggest pumpkin. Can I use tools to empty the pumpkin? Um, I would imagine so. It's gonna but be I also... pretty difficult either way. I think. Yeah. This is this is a picture, I believe, of this pumpkin. Hold on, let me get a clearer one. Uh. This is the world's largest pumpkin. This is a kind of hazy picture. I'll try to find a better one for what we actually put in the episode, but this will work for us. It's pretty big. That is pretty it's big. A pretty I big mean, pumpkin. I feel like a normal sized pumpkin is pretty tiring to empty out. It it is. And that would be like a It's really it comes yeah. it comes down to how confident are you in turkey catching. Right? <laughs> That's a lot a lot of it. <laughs> because I know that eventually I will be able to empty that pumpkin. But <laughs> turkeys. Did you know yeah. 
Did you know turkeys fly? <laughs> they do. This is true. Actually, it's super weird. Like, have you ever seen a turkey in a tree? It's really weird for it's some reason. very disconcerting. But they'll just go, they'll fly up into a tree. Like, they'll nest in trees and shit. Like, and they'll just, like, act like regular birds. You're like, no, stop it. You live on the ground. I, I will I also like... say that, like, we have wild turkeys that live in the office park at my, my office. Um, and... Uh, Watching them move around is probably the time that I'm most aware of the fact that birds are very, you know, directly related to dinosaurs. Um, they're kind of scary. Not gonna lie. Yeah, especially turkeys. Yeah, turkeys are aggressive. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like turkeys—they're like they're not scared of people, so I feel like you'd be able to get close to them. Easier. I think you would. Like, yeah. Like they would fight but, like, back, but. They yeah, they're, they're big. They're big and beaky and clawy. Yeah. Yeah, and they don't have, like... I mean, they have, like, a little bit of a neck to grab. Like, always, always in, in Boston, uh, the big one is always all, all the geese. Like, I definitely could take a goose, because a goose, you just grab it by the neck. Like, you have a, you have a very easy spot to try and... <laughs> they have a handle. To, ...to try and take care of the goose. Yeah. yeah, they got a handle built in. Turkeys like don't they, their head like retracts back into them like they got a neck but it's not yours <laughs> i mean i i feel like it's gonna be unpleasant to catch the turkey because they're gonna like fight back and stuff and you might get scratched up maybe but i think that's gonna be way easier than emptying out the pumpkin you're going to be sitting there with the pumpkin for like, I don't even know if you could get it done in a day. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's going to take a while. It's going to take a lot of doing. But I also know that it's not going, I'm not going to lose an eye emptying out a big pumpkin. <laughs> That's kind of up in the air with the turkey. Yeah. Also, like, again... There's a chance of like there's a chance of failure. I'm leaning very heavily towards pumpkin just for the fact that Right. It's it's going to I happen will eventually. Be... Like I'll put it I'll put in some headphones. I'll start I'll put an audiobook on and I'll 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 get to work. How assuming it doesn't like fly away, how long do you think it would take you to catch a turkey? Well, let's find out how fast is a turkey. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. If it didn't fly away, I think I could do it pretty fast. I, I would just get scratched up. Turkeys can clock eighteen miles an hour on foot and up to fifty miles an hour in flight. Yeah, but I, I don't think they're going to be running away why, from you, Marcus. Why did I think you were going to say in a car? <laughs> <laughs> Turkeys can reach 18 miles per hour on foot and 15 miles per, or 50 miles per hour in a sweet Harley. <laughs> <laughs> because they obey their speed. Limit. They look sick as hell when they do it. They'll drive on local roads with a speed limit doesn't exceed 50 miles an hour and they'll obey it. Uh, so like it like. I think you have one good shot at the turkey, and I'm not 100% confident in my chance to correctly grab a turkey on the first try. And then so I think we'll, it's going to be hard. 
So are we saying that like for both of these tasks you have to commit like can you do other things and like in between <laughs> or do you have to complete the task? I I think you have like I think you you have to complete the task. You can do other things related to the task, but you have to like do that task. So you can't stop uh emptying at the pumpkin until you're done. I think so. Like I think you can stop for lunch. Yeah. Like, like like I think it's right. like like it's like your job. Like your job for today is you you go out like you go out to a fair that you're helping set up with like your family and your parents are like hey hey do you want to empty out the pumpkin or you want to catch the turkey <laughs> and, and you pick one. <laughs> yes, the standard division of labor. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> and yeah, you you pick one and you it's your that's your job for the for the for the for the event. Like no, you're not gonna die if you do if you don't do it, of course. But like you're op- you're pretty obligated to. You have a strong social obligation to succeed in the task. Right, but then you can't. But I guess can you like go to sleep and stuff? I mean, I don't know if it's gonna be a multi-day task to empty right, the pumpkin. I'm, I'm gonna say you can do. You can't do any non-survival tasks until you complete your assignment. So you can sleep okay. if that is required. You can eat. You know, you can. Take but it's more than just exhaustion. an eight-hour work day. Yeah. Yeah. How long does it take to endurance hunt down a turkey? Right. <laughs> oh man. I mean, at least with hunting down the turkey, like, you get to, like, like, if it does fly away, then you get to, like, go around and, like, just walk around and search for things. <laughs> you can also find a different turkey if that one flies away. Like, yeah. I'm assuming you're providing a turkey at the start of this. Well, that one does get away. You could find a different one, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I'll... I'll... I'm gonna I'm gonna just end it with I gotta pick pumpkin because I don't even though I probably could if needed catch a turkey I don't feel confident in my ability to do so I also worry that I'll just like hesitate at the last moment like you'll get you're like chasing the turkey like finally catching up and then like you get close and it turns around and it looks at you with this evil turkey eyes and then it's like ah uh, and then you, you gotta it, you have to make sure you don't hesitate in that moment and do I have it in me I don't know you don't know you don't know till that turkey moment comes <laughs> so uh i'm gonna go with uh the pumpkin chris thoughts i think i'm gonna go with the turkey i think the pumpkin's gonna take a lot longer than you think it is i think it's gonna be a multi-day thing and it's just gonna be really tiring even though you are definitely gonna get it done eventually i don't know i was walking around in cambridge the other day and i saw a turkey that was walking down the road and i got pretty close to it i was like i think i can catch that turkey (laughs) 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 song on turkey uh god um i think i gotta go pumpkin i don't know turkeys kind of freak me out i don't I don't know, man. Like they're they're weirdly they're weirdly creepy looking in a way that I'm not particularly ready to wrap my arms around and you know throw to the ground. And yeah, who and like how much of that is like 
stuff you can grab. Right. Like, it's, it's how much is feathers? How much is like sharp? And how much is you, I, I don't know what it'll be like if I try to like hit a turkey. What what will happen? Yeah. Here's, <laughs> like, the, the problem I have is that I don't think put my mind to it. I don't know how I'm going to grasp the turkey to constrain it. So it's definitely going to take me multiple attempts to like figure that out live. And I don't want to have to catch a turkey effectively multiple times. There's one pumpkin. I could put my, you know, get some elbow grease on it and get that knocked out. Like, I, th- I think I'm just more confident in my turkey catching skills than the two I of think you. You are, wrong. obviously. Yeah. <laughs> we, we and Ben aren't sitting here walking down the street being like, I can catch that fucking turkey. <laughs> There's literally a turkey walking down the street just in front of the cars. And the, like the cars are all backed up. And I got like pretty close to it. And it didn't flinch at all. So I could have just like went. I think I could have grabbed it. I mean, that's a city turkey. <laughs> it counts. Uh. <laughs> All right. So that's 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 our take on turkey catching. Um, if you enjoyed this episode um, or um, want to hear us talk about more ridiculous, nonsense, silly things, um, you can support us by going on to our Patreon, www.patreon.com slash absurd hypotheticals, uh, and you can become a patron, one of our good absurd hypotheticals. Um, and for just a singular dollar each month, you get access to all our bonus content that we produce exclusively for our Patreons every month. Um, so that's the stuff behind the paywall. So go ahead and hop over with cash in hand and go do that. Uh, if you have a cool idea for a hypothetical question that you want us to answer, send it in to us. Uh, if you're on YouTube, you can just throw it right in the comments. Otherwise, uh, absurdhypotheticals at gmail.com is probably the best way to get it to us. Um, and we would love to get your questions and answer them. Um, and as with everything else that you consume or purchase or anything else nowadays, if you like it, leave a review. That way everyone knows that you liked it. And if they find it and they're like, what's this? And they'll look at the reviews first and they'll be like, wow, look what Billy said about this episode that made him laugh. That's really cool. Maybe it'll make me laugh. And then they'll click through it and actually listen. And then there's another listener listening to this podcast. And that's how it grows. Um, so leave a review. That would be very great and helpful as well. And if you once you've done all those things in that order, uh, you can join us for our next episode where we answer the following question. What if all animals were mammals? Mm-hmm.